Hello, and welcome to Over the Rainbow. This is your host, Bob, and today we'll be talking about Bipolar One. We have a very special guest, Mr. Brett Stevens, and he has written a book called Crossover, A Look Inside a Manic Mind. So we have Brett on the phone. How are you, Brett? Hey, guys. How are you? Good, good. It's nice to have you here. I'm pretty anxious to hear more about your new book, Crossover. Um, what's, what's it about? It's a personal memoir about my experiences with bipolar disorder, and it walks the reader through what it's like to go through a manic episode. Uh, it starts you know, as a, in a very kind of dramatic way with, with a public episode uh, that I had that led me to hospitalization. And then it shows really the development. And as I grew up uh, as a child with brothers in a suburban neighborhood, really no signs of bipolar, didn't know much about it. And, you know, throughout the book, it just develops and shows you from that firsthand account, um, really three manic episodes, depressions, hospitalizations. So if you're curious, what it's like to be inside of a hospital or, you know, the thoughts and feelings of someone going through an episode, this would be something that, that might shed some light on, on what these people go through. That's very good. Uh, I'm trying to get the message across. Uh, I don't know if you know my history. I have depression, anxiety, OCD, ADD, and dyslexia. So I got a, I got a mess of things going on and I just wanted to get the word out about all these different problems and we'll get that message out and people become more aware of it and, and erase the stigma a little bit. So I interviewed one person who said he was schizophrenic. So how do you categorize your illness? Sure. Well, when I was first going through, you know, these episodes, I didn't really get a diagnosis. Uh, they called it psychotic disorder NOS, which I believe stands for none otherwise specified, not otherwise specified. So I actually had two episodes, fully, you know, full-fledged episodes, and went on a treatment plan that, that was not a bipolar plan, and I actually was on medication, I recovered, and then I had another episode. And, and so it wasn't until my third manic episode that I was diagnosed as bipolar one. And my understanding is that it means that I have very high highs and very low lows. And my mood is always either going up or going down if I'm not on medication. So, you know, it could take years, but if, if I'm not on medication and years go by, I'm constantly kind of moving towards this, this manic phase where, you know, in my case, it leads to very drastic, um, things that, that require me to be involuntarily hospitalized. So the simple definition, from what I understand, is it, it's someone who has multiple manic episodes and, I guess, experiences those, those drastic changes in mood. And, and bipolar 1 is, is higher ups and downs, whereas bipolar 2 is more of the depression. And I think they get what's called um, hypomanic, but they don't reach the, the manic phase where, you know, they're walking on water and, and thinking these thoughts that are just completely um, delusional. So that's my experience and what I've been taught. I'm not a, not a medical professional, I'm not a doctor. I didn't know anything about bipolar until I was diagnosed. 
so that's what I've learned over the last couple of years in this in this period of recovery and you know really uh, and I'm in a good place right now so so that's what I've learned over that time well I'm glad you recovered that's excellent uh, that's the kind of thing I want to get across that there is always hope no matter how bad it looks um, so take us through the very first episode and what what was that like sure and and the way the book is written it's it's you know, a couple pages, I'd say it's like two and a half pages per section. And it just gives you pure examples of like one thing after another of what I went through. So in my first episode, I was in college and I'm just noticing patterns of birds and thinking, you know, if, if a bird is around, that means something. Or the teacher in front of the classroom is talking about me. If the professor says he, that, that means me. It doesn't mean he, you know, the scientist that he's talking about in class. So everything's referring to me. Uh, if someone turns around in class and looks back, they're looking at me. They're not looking at whatever they were looking at. So these things were happening, and I did something very dangerous. I was anxious, and I was driving on a highway and picking my brother up at the airport, and I missed the exit, and I just turned over the, the barrier in the middle of the highway because I was just so anxious that I, I needed to pick him up on wow. time. Wow. Yeah. So, so, you know, he spent some time with me in college, at the, you know, over that weekend and I wasn't sleeping and, and he ultimately reported back to my parents that, you know, something was off. So they took me home and, you know, basically we're driving to the psych ward and I have no, I'm excited. I think I'm going to some special facility that they're going to, train me on something or use me for some special study. What age was that? I was 19. I was 19. Okay. And, and before and, you were 19, was there any signs of problems before that? No. And that's really why I started to write this book. I was kind of, I was trying to recall my childhood and see, you know, maybe I was pretty angry or, you know, in basketball, I was very competitive or had an attitude. And I was looking for something, but that, that's just not really how it goes. Um, it, it was, it showed itself in college for the first one. And I didn't even know what it was before that time or had any clue. Yeah, I understand. So I, I do that, have a family history. I understand you have two other brothers and you all play basketball? Well, you did yeah, play young, basketball? Younger, yeah, younger brother and older brother. Um, our whole childhood was, was about basketball and I chose to develop myself in the story through basketball and through my experiences at camps and playing high school and things like that. Uh, and then, you know, as, as I get close to college, basketball kind of weans away. Uh, my parents ha have a marital issue. And then I moved to college where I have this first episode. And really, you know, one, one of the things that I, I thought was interesting about the story was that in between my, my episodes, I really kind of had success in what I was working on. So even after the first episode in recovery, I got really into poker, believe it or not. <laughs> and I became a, a top-ranked online professional poker player and did really wow. well. And, and, yeah, and I had another, you know, I can, I can get into the details about what happens in the episodes because that's kind of in the story. But ultimately, I had another episode. And, and then uh, after the second one, I was working at a startup company in Texas. We had two or three employees. And I worked really hard for three years. We had, we had 50 employees in the office and I'm managing all these people. And then I have another episode. And, and so, you know, I think your message is, you know, you want people to, you can, you can show some stories of recovery 
And I think that is definitely something that's really important because it, it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. If you can do the right things and, and find some sort of peace or you just find a spot where you're feeling good about it, somehow, some way, whatever that means, you know, you can find that. And, and for me, that, that has really helped me to the point where I'm at now. I feel pretty good. I'm writing a book about it. I actually have another book that I'm working on. I just got certified in mental health first aid. Um, I work in real estate. So I, I have a lot of things going on and I can kind of, I, I can contribute or, or give the credit to like just an attitude of like, I'm going to do what I'm told. I'm going to do the best I can and, and hopefully find some sense of kind of control over this, even though it's very hard to, to get that. And it's, it's impossible for, you know, cause I have no guarantee that I won't have another episode, but I'm going to do what I need to do and control the things I can control and, and whatever happens after that, I, I can feel good with. That's a great attitude. I really, um, it, it struck me when you said unbelievable anxiety, I think you said anxiety and paranoia. I went through a severe anxiety attack and it lasted on and off six months where I was really suicidal. And I read that people with bipolar one is 30 times more chance that they will uh, try to commit suicide. So that's what I'm trying to prevent, things like that. So people have the knowledge that they need. Well, it's very scary. I mean, I, I almost jumped off a bridge in, in one of my excerpts there. I have beaten up by cops. Just, just very, it's scary stuff, including, you know, obviously suicide is like the ultimate. <laughs> so w when it comes to that, you know, what I, what I've learned is I need a morning routine. So I need to wake up. I need to do a breathing exercise. I need to meditate. I need to make a healthy breakfast and I need to take my medicine. And those are all within my control. So if I'm waking up and I'm not feeling it or I'm just saying, you know, those things actually aren't working, aren't that important, that's the battle right there to me. The battle is doing those healthy exercises because it's not only good for you, right, but it's also helping you get the confidence that if you want to do something, you can do it. Okay. Um, so that's where I start, honestly. Like, they have to start that way or else I'm going to, you know, I'm, get, I'm letting it get away from me if I don't do that stuff right out of the gate. Um, and then similar things throughout the day. I mean, I, I, I work out, I do everything I can to eat healthy, which I'm not super great at, but you know, again, I know that I, I like to eat <laughs> and, and it's not like, you know, you're going to, you're not going to solve bipolar by eating, you know, non-fat, I don't know, yogurt, <laughs> but it's more of the awareness. Uh, I just think taking my medicine, I, I couldn't imagine skipping my medicine, I, I would be paranoid and, and that would have me very anxious. So I think kind of the, if you're talking about, you know, again, something very serious like suicide, I think it's the small things. It's the little tiny things that you might blow off or say, Hey, I'm not saying you, I'm just saying in general, like, I'm, you know, I'm just talking here, but uh, if I don't know that those things have worked for me. If I don't do this, it's kind of like on me. If I do it and I'm still feeling bad, what else can I do? How else can I challenge myself? Uh, and, and, you know, every, everyone's situation is unique. You know, I can't take anything away from anyone else. Like I obviously have had major, major issues. 
but but in writing this book and the responses that I've gotten, that would be the message that I'd want to put out there is what can you do every day? Keep it small and simple. Measure your progress. Focus on that and see if it can help in some sort of way. Um, you know, that that is what has worked for me. And that is why I have been confident enough to go out and be in the world with Bipolar One and feel comfortable talking about it and, and feeling that it's, it's manageable, really, at the end of the day. What types of, I'm curious, what types of medicine uh, are you on, if you, if you want to talk about that? Sure. So it took me many months to, to get on the medicine that is working. And many times I was told, take this, take that. And I did, and it didn't work. It made me nauseous. So I get that. But right now, I am on lithium. I am on uh, Lamictal. is a mood stabilizer that goes with lithium. And then I also take, what do I take? I take Synthroid in the morning because I think, you know, with lithium, that, that helps with one of the side effects of lithium. So I also take fish oil three times a day. And I take what's called acetylcysteine three times a day. Those two are over the counter. And that's, unless I'm missing something, yeah, it's lamictal, lithium, synthroid, and then the fish oils and things like that. So that's my full uh, round. It's taken a long time to, to get to this point, but that's what I do. And then obviously I see my psychiatrist often. And if anything needs to be changed, then that's really for her to decide. Now, do you go to any kind of counseling or group or anything like that? I go to a therapist and I see my psychiatrist, but I've, I've tried a few support groups and I, I didn't find it to be very helpful, at least the ones that I went to. It was more, um, it, it just wasn't very helpful. It just seemed like it was more about the negative things that are going on and, and more just a place to, you know, kind of like say what's going on with you, which I can see could be very helpful for a lot of people. Um, but I don't do any sort of like hands-on groups at this point. Uh, although I did just get my license to teach people to become certified in mental health first aid. So I'll probably be forming some groups with that. But right now, no, just uh, therapists and psychiatrists. So you said you were teaching mental health. Did you go into a little bit more about that? Yeah, so actually just a couple of weeks ago, I went to Indianapolis to become a certified mental health first aid instructor. And what that means is I can teach people how to become certified in mental health first aid. So a mental health first aid aider is what they call it, mental health first aider, is someone who kind of like has a CP, you know, you know um, CPR, like yeah, if someone yeah. physically like, so picture that, but for mental health. So you don't have to help anybody, you know, it's within your rights to just walk by. It's not as serious as like someone with CPR is supposed to go and do it. But if you see someone that, that looks to be struggling, it teaches you the skills to go talk to them. It teaches you the resources and places that you can send them to. So it's a very just useful way to help someone that might be struggling with a mental illness. And in the class, we teach you how to like, gain those skills and get that certification. So you might actually be able to help someone who's in crisis instead of, you know, being relatively unsure or unaware of what's going on. If there is somebody that thinks they might have bipolar one and is not sure, what are some of the uh, 
you know, things like that come up beforehand? Is there a warning of any type? That's a really good question. For me, I'm completely unaware. So I'm, I'm going to be living my life and things are going to start to happen that seem special. And then I'm going to be ramped up and have an episode. The things that can put me in that place where I am aware, like, okay, I have bipolar. And so I need to be aware of some of these things, drug, any drugs and alcohol. So I, I don't, I don't even drink caffeine. I'm completely off drugs, alcohol, caffeine, energy drinks. Like I cut all that out after my last episode. But if I'm in the past, if I'm smoking marijuana, I'm probably going to have an episode. <laughs> it's, it's that sensitive for me. But wow. being isolated, stress. The last episode, I wasn't. I was a casual drinker, maybe once on the weekend, a couple drinks, and I had an episode. I wasn't doing any, and there was nothing else in that picture except for stress from my job, isolation, and that was it. <laughs> so, oh, lack of sleep. So those types. Of, if you're not sleeping well at night, doesn't mean you're bipolar one, but that would be a symptom that you're stressed, isolated, drugs and alcohol. Those that, you know, you're not working out, those are the types of things that if, if I kind of fall into that, that world of those, those types of symptoms or triggers or whatever, like I could actually put, I mean, I'm putting myself at a higher risk. Obviously, too, if, if I stop taking my medicine for whatever reason, which that, I just would never do that, but that would 100% put me back into an episode. Uh, do you live alone or um, what's so your right marital situation? Sure. So I have, a, I have a girlfriend that I'll be moving in with shortly, and I've been I've been alone, living alone, you know, most of the last couple years. So I've I've managed this alone in an apartment downtown, but I'm moving in with with my girlfriend, and that's just because our relationship is going there. It's not necessarily because I need support or help managing the bipolar. Well, well what does she think about it? Uh... Does she have any, how does she react? I'm lucky. And my family's the same way. They're like the most supportive people, which is another just huge, huge thing. They are going to do everything they can to help me. They're not going to blame me. One thing that is tough is sometimes people over worry. So if I get up early one day and try to work on something, there might be some alarm like, oh, is this that manic energy that he's starting to have? You know, so that's a little bit tough to to deal with. But they don't look at me any differently. My friends that I've known my whole life before I was bipolar can't tell a difference, except maybe I don't drink anymore or something like that. So I, I'm lucky. I've gotten nothing but, but amazing support. And I just, uh, if something happens to me, everyone's kind of like all hands on deck and they, they come to help out. No one's, no one's judging or, or thinking that I can't do anything I want to do with my life because of this. That sounds great. Um, yeah, I was looking on Amazon today. I noticed your book was out there. It's, it's pretty uh, inexpensive. It's like, I think, $12. And you can get a, yep. Kindle, a Kindle version of it for nine ninety nine. I ordered one of those already. I also oh, ordered, thanks. and you can get a, uh, what would you call it, a synopsis of the, the book? Yeah, you can get a free sample. Um, we created a website called InsideAmanicMind.com. You can get a free sample there. But, yeah, you'll see, you know, the front and back cover on Amazon. And, yeah, I appreciate you, you supporting it. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait to read it. Uh, so, when was your last episode? I mean, that was really bad. How how long has it been? My last episode was um, December of 2016. That's great. And and the book has been out, what, a a year or so? Book came out, I I think it was June when it was like officially, you know, able to be purchased. So it's been about six or seven months. And Amazon rated his book uh, five stars. Uh, I noticed that right away. so it's, it's got to be good. I mean, nothing gets five stars on Amazon. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, um, I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, any any reviews on Amazon are hugely helpful. So I've, you know, people that have enjoyed the book, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I just want to make make everyone aware that that any type of review is is helpful. So yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm glad I'm glad you saw the value in that. I just saw an article about you. It it describes the book. Yeah, there was there was a lot of um, initially there was some press and there have been a few articles. My hometown paper did one, and I've done a few podcasts and things like that. But yeah, there's a there's definitely some opportunity for me to, to continue talking about it. I'm lucky for that. But yeah, there's there's a few articles out there as well. Okay, um, what would you say to uh, someone that? doesn't know what to do. I, I mean, how did they get a psychiatrist? How did they get, you know, to a point where they can help themselves? Yeah. So I first want to say that that is precisely what I'm writing about now. So it's literally like you've been told you have bipolar disorder and the book is written in the exact same style as the first one. And it's going to hopefully try to get someone from that point to like where I am now, where things feel like they're manageable and things are good. So just generally, I think I think the attitude is huge, and it's hard because bipolar takes your sense of reality. It takes what you believe to be true, and it, it messes with all that. So to say you have to have a positive attitude or you have to believe that you can do what you're supposed to do and accept that you have this chronic illness now is very hard <laughs> because you can't just make that decision and snap your fingers. But I'd say someone who's, I'd say, know that there is support around you. Know that there's a lot of people that have what you have. I know it's a small percentage, but in America, it's, that small percentage is still millions and millions of people. There are so many resources online. And really, just you have to look at yourself. It, it challenges you to go as deep as you've ever gone when, when thinking about yourself and your life. And you have to, when you're ready, make you have to kind of decide hey i'm going to do everything i can to live a normal life or i'm going to accept that this is what i have and i'm going to change my life and let it be the main thing in my life so for someone who's trying to live a normal healthy life do what you're told by the doctors learn as much as you possibly can about it it's okay if you feel a little bad for yourself it's a pretty serious thing that happens so so don't get even more down that you don't feel well about it um just off the top of my head, too, I'd say understand that medication takes time to get right. Side effects go away over time. They become easier. And, you know, you really just have to trust the people around you that are, that are helping. And it's very serious. It, it's like a full-time job. You, you've just been given a full-time job, and you have to do all of this, and you also have to re- live the rest of your life. So I think the advice that I, you know, that that's the advice. It's, you know, kind of like 
hunker down and learn and accept things. And then that, I believe, is the, the path to, to get into a good place. It's not easy. It's definitely something that, that we can feel bad about, you know, and, and take take to heart and understand what's happening. It's very serious. But I, I believe there's light on the other side. And you really have to take it seriously and treat it like it's the most important thing you have going on because it is. Yeah, I remember when I had my major depression, you know, I had three kids, they were young, and it it kind of steals the feeling of love away from you. Like, you know, I loved them to death, but I wasn't feeling it the same way when I was in this depression. So the very thing you need to help yourself to get out of it, you, it takes away. So it's it's very, very tricky. Um, yeah, you just made me think of another thing about scheduling time. So if you have an open calendar or you just have a few things on your calendar and, and, and the process has been, okay, maybe I'll do that, maybe I won't, that's very difficult. One of the things I learned from my doctors is you put something on a schedule and no matter how you're feeling, you do it. You know, if, if the schedule says, I'm not doing anything today for, for 12 hours, then that's fine. And that's what the schedule says. But that was a big, big kind of like uh, aha moment for me. It was like, Oh, I don't really feel like working out today, but like, but it's on the schedule. So if it's on there, I should be doing it. And, and I'm just the main, the main reason that I thought of that was no matter how, this, whatever you're feeling, however bad it is, if it's on the schedule, like that's, that's what you should be doing. Um, not easy, but yeah. And, and depression will take, take those emotions and things out from you. And, you know, again, what helped me was I feel like shit. Nothing feels like anything. I'm depressed. But I have this calendar that I have. Whatever's on the calendar, I'm doing. And that was kind of like the, the end. That was the rule that I set for myself. And, and that really helped me, like, kind of, like, crawl out of those feelings that I was having. Yeah, it gives you a structure. Um, I was in a mental hospital for twice. I had uh, this really bad attacks. Um what do you think about mental hospitals these days? Uh, do you think, when, when should you go to one? I would think uh, if you have an attack like I did, or if there's something going on, I mean, did you know enough to, to, go, to go to the hospital? Well, I, I just learned in mental health first aid, like some of the signs and symptoms and you know, if you're having a conversation with someone and you can kind of urge them to go, that's one thing. But I'll be honest, my, my personal experience was the first one was my parents took me to the hospital where I thought I was going to become, you know, a, a scientist's dream where they were going to study things that I was doing. The second, my second episode, I was dragged into the hospital by four police officers and I was sedated and beat up and then put in the hospital. And the third episode, I was basically yelling at a whole pizza place that they needed to be quiet. And I was taken in that way by cops. So, so mine had been so dramatic and like my thoughts on hospitals is the scariest place in the world. And when I'm in there, I have no, like I am trying to escape. I think it's a, you know, conspiracy. I, everything is about, you know, my illness, but when I get out of the hospital and I get away from it a little bit, that's the only place that I could be. There, there's nowhere else for me to go and get better than those places. So they're, they're scary. I mean, I was in a straight jacket. My, my roommate was 
they they try to hang themselves. I met so many people that have tried to commit suicide in those hospitals. Like it's it's very traumatic to even think about it. But that's where you need to be uh, to get better. And in terms of like voluntary, you know, people just kind of going in because they're not feeling right. I, I don't know. I, I think that's more for like the medical professionals or, you know, close family and friends that, that have a better sense of what's going on with the individual. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult. It, it's pretty boring. I was for me, but they did help me a lot the first time because they got me to a point where I was stable and it got me away from everything. So I only stayed about a week each time. I don't know how long you you stayed. Yeah, I did. I was, it was two weeks my first time and then a week. I'm sorry, two weeks and then two weeks and then one week for my last one. But even so, when I got released, I was still manic and not well, but at least I had some medication and like kind of a place to, to start from. Yeah. And, and I had some problems with some of the doctors and some of the nurses. There are good ones. I, I'm not going to say everyone is bad, but the first thing they told me was make sure you can't, you, you look at your medicine and make sure they give you all the, I mean, this is from the people that were in there, make sure they give you the right medicine. I was also in a place. Right. Go ahead. No, I, you just had me remember, like when you're in there, you don't know who's like, you know, as the patients, we're all talking and we know things we think, but we're all also sick and in the hospital. So you don't really know who to trust. There's always going to be someone that says that they're contaminating your medicine or they're misleading you on purpose or something like that. And you believe it when you're in there, but it's just very hard to really like kind of know who to trust in there uh, because they're holding you. But then the people, your peers are also mentally ill. So I, I don't know. It's a very weird dynamic. So what else you have your website? Could you give us your website again? So everybody can get it. Yes. Inside a manic mind.com. Okay. And there's the book. The name of the book is. Uh, crossover, a look inside a manic mind. Okay. Great. I mean, this is, you know, a very fascinating story. Um, I think if you get the book, it it takes you more into your episodes, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm literally saying like I woke up, and then it's italics. You know, a, a bird said something, or I, I connected the dots of this this cloud. Like, like you're you're literally there. Like you're waking up in, in the book with me, and I think that's why I've gotten the reviews that I've gotten. It's 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 a it's a fast read. It's easy to read and you know, you're, you're going through it with me there. So, so that I think has been helpful for people. And you can get at any bookstore, Barnes and Noble, wherever you want to go. Is there anything else you would want to add? Um, I mean, just, I want to reiterate that I'm very open to discussing these things over the, you know, via chat, via whatever. I, like I'm not, uh, I don't require any sort of like big filter to talk to someone who's, who's having issues or has a question about it. And again, I'm not a doctor, but if you just want to like shoot the shit over this and tell me and talk about stuff, like I'm always open to that. So I just want to always put that out there. That's great. I mean, it's really been great uh, speaking with you. You have a fascinating story. I'm sure the book is terrific. Um, I'm definitely going to read it as soon as I can. And 
you know, I really thank you for coming on and, and doing this. And you're also out on Twitter. Can you give your Twitter account? Yeah, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Brett Stevens. Okay, that's good. All righty. Oh, um, Facebook, Facebook as well. Uh, uh, our Facebook group is, it's one, it's, I'd say it's like our main uh, form, you know, platform for social media. And that's uh, crossover, a look inside a manic mind on Facebook. Okay, there you have it. I mean, um, for people that think, you know, it's it, this is the end of the world, it's not. So uh, this is proof positive between Brett and I. We're, we're, we're both still standing, as the song goes. And I really appreciate you being on, Brett. And thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me. So there you go. Brett Stevens, an amazing man. He has a lot of courage and fortitude, uh, and that's what it takes uh, to fight against bipolar one or two or depression. So I really enjoyed the show. I hope you guys did too. If you have any questions, I'm at Over the Rainbow Bob, one word, at gmail.com. That's over the rainbow bob at gmail.com. And I also have a Twitter feed, and that's over the rain one bow. At over the rain one bow. So that's it for the show, and I'll see you guys next time.